You'll have to go and watch the rest of one time demands it, but yes, he does join in with the flash mob. And yes, he does get down on one knee with the ring and asks her to marry him. Bruno Mars, I think I want to marry you. Number one on the Wedding Wire website of the top 13 songs, which apparently pretty much guarantee the answer, yes. Prince Harry did it whilst roasting a chicken. I don't know whether he was singing. If, uh, if you're married, how did you propose? Yeah, did you uh, get down on one knee? Uh, was it at your favorite beauty spot? Over a romantic dinner? By text? Did you sing? Because we are listening to a, a love song in our morning sermons at the moment. It was written by the king, King Solomon, king of God's people Israel around about 980 BC. It's his number one hit, his song of songs. And just like the chart toppers of today, it speaks of an idealized love, a love really beyond the capability of the human heart, a love to aspire to, a love to long for, a love to rejoice in, a love that might just be tasted in the relationship between a man and a woman, but a love that actually will only be truly experienced in a relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, his people, the church. Because all human love comes from the God who is love. And so it's actually only when we're face to face with that God that we know fully love as it can be known. That's why if you're here today and you have never heard or you never hear the words from a human being, I want to marry you, you've not missed the greatest love there is you can still experience the greatest love there is. Because true love is found only in the arms of one person, and that is the Lord Jesus. And it's why if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, well, this song talking about a beautiful human relationship is a great thing to listen to because it's a song about God's love for you. And uh, as with last week, God has given us a poetic song to communicate his love for us. So as I preach, I'm just going to try and be a little bit more poetic. Not rhyming couplet, but just to try and keep that feel to what I'm saying. So let's sing of love again. As we see the young love between a girl and her beloved, beloved shepherd king, blossom into a proposal. Because that's what we see first, the proposal Look at chapter 2 and verse 8 with me. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Come and see my lover. Grace and beauty, strength and speed. Coming to me, running to me. In the second half of verse 9, here he is. He's outside, but looking in. He's separated from me, but he wants union. He's held at a distance, but he's hoping for intimacy. He's longing to see me, and now he speaks. Verse 10. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its earthly fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. 
Now is the season for love. Now we are ready for one another. Now the whole of nature calls us together. Now is the time for our love to blossom. It's a bit better than it's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey baby, I think I want to marry you. It's the look in your eyes or is it the dancing juice? Who cares baby? I think I want to marry you. Husband. Do you hear me husband? When did you last speak tenderly to your wife? When did you call her beautiful? When did you tell her you treasured her? When did you play her favorite song? When did you last make her feel adored? I guess many of us would agree with F.R. David who sang in 1982, you'll remember it, words don't come easy to me. How can I find a way to make you see I love you? Words don't come easy. Words don't come easy to me. But words are precious things. They can build up or pull down. They can draw together or drive apart. And God calls husbands to take the initiative in love, to go to her, to love her, and to let her know you do. Do you remember the verse, Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's why this proposal in Song of Songs is not the most beautiful proposal ever made. Because we need to remember, even the song, who is it that runs across the mountains, who bounds across the hills? It is the king. And as he calls in the poem, he points us to another king, the one who has come to us. Not from hills, but from heaven. Leaping from the glory of eternity to the limits of space and time. Bounding from the worship of angels to be hated by men. Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. Being humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And our lover with his arms outstretched bears the punishment of our self-love, our hatred of God, our hurting of one another. And he calls us home and he says, come, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. The rest of a relationship that truly satisfies. The rest of a relationship you were created to enjoy. The rest that Jesus promised to a woman thirsting after love. She'd failed five times to find it with a man. And Jesus said to her in John 4, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Drink deeply of my love and be satisfied. Not just today, but forever. You'll never have a better proposal of love than the proposal of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is a faithful love, a costly love, a persistent love, 
a pain-bearing love, a life-giving love, a cleansing love, a satisfying love, an eternal love, a love that will never give up and never go away, a love that even continues to woo us when we don't love him back. Because secondly, we see persistence. Persistence. Do you see how he calls to her in verse 14? My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, you're coy, you're shy, still within her parents' house, nervous, safe behind that wall. She's unsure of committing in love. Let let me show me your face. Let, Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Come out to see me. I love to see you. I long to see you, to gaze upon your beauty, to hear you, to to listen to you speak of nothing in particular. I just want to be with you. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Rid everything. Rid ourselves of everything that harms our love. Just when you tended the family vineyard and you trapped those foxes that destroyed the vines, let us trap and destroy anything that stands in the way of our love, any pest that threatens our tender, blossoming love. Persistence in our love is uh, sadly a dying thing. Did, Did you hear what Bruno Mars sang? If we wake up and you want to break up, that's cool. No, I won't blame you. It was fun, girl. It's the love of Love Island. Available to you Monday nights, starting tomorrow from 9pm. To watch, to leer at, to laugh at, to cheapen. My paper claimed yesterday that Love Island has changed how we date. Mesmerised, I would watch couples split up, reform with other halves, as if this were just expected. It's the love of the dating app. But love takes persistence. Persistence and pruning. The willingness to cut out the things that get in the way of love. Our world says you need to keep your independence. Don't give up who you are. But any relationship that's heading for marriage will need both parties to make sacrifices. To change diaries. To alter hobbies to reform priorities. It will need us to pursue one another in love. If that's where you are now, dating someone, you need to be persistent in love. And of course, there is no more persistent lover than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's removed everything that could harm our love. He's become a man, so our humanity is redeemed. He's borne our punishment, so his wrath is dealt with. He's washed us clean so we're fit now for his presence, beautiful as he is. He's risen from the dead so we can know his love forever. He's poured his spirit into our hearts so we can taste his love now. He pursues us with his love, never forsaking us, never leaving us, never letting us go. And he calls us to prune our lives, to get rid of everything within us, that could harm our love. He says to us, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. To take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls take that piece of wood that binds the oxen together so they can pull the plow to strain the yoke let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you see if you love the Lord Jesus there is a self to deny so you have Christ as your first love there's a cross to take up, to be counted as Christ's whatever the cost of your love. That there's a yoke to wear, to submit to Christ out of love. There are things to throw off, to follow Christ with all your love. There is sin to distangle yourself from, to honor Christ as your first love. But with the cost is nothing compared to the love you gain. Because look at the betrothal in verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. The lilies of her lips? Maybe. The lilies of her body? Not yet. The lilies of her soul? Certainly. But, but now the evening comes, she says. The, the shadows turn to darkness, and you must go. We must wait. We're betrothed, but we're not married. Turn, my beloved. The one full of grace and beauty, strength and speed. Go. Verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. You see, love involves commitment of everything. As the couple says when they exchange rings in the wedding ceremony. I give you this ring as a sign of our marriage. With my body I honor you. All that I am, I give to you. Married couples, are you keeping that promise today? All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. Within the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Two become one flesh, united together forever. Their lives joined, their present bound, their future bound. That's why marriage should not be undertaken carelessly, lightly, or without due thought, but reverently, seriously, and with complete commitment. And the same is true of coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not be a lifestyle addition. He will not be satisfied to have some of you. He will not tolerate your independence. Because when we become a Christian, we don't simply understand truth. We don't simply believe promises. We don't simply have faith. We are bound to Christ. My beloved is mine and I am his. We become Christ's. We die with Christ. We give him our sin and we get his righteousness. We are raised with Christ. We give him our death, and we get his life. Our lives are hidden with Christ. We are loved by Christ, and we love Christ. Literally, Christ is our life. As the old hymn puts it, I am his, and he is mine. Loved with an everlasting love, Led by grace that love to know. Spirit breathing from above. Thou hast taught me it is so. 
Oh, this full and perfect peace. Oh, this transport all divine in a love which cannot cease. I am his and he is mine. I am his and he is mine. And you see, when you're loved like that, with a total, passionate, bloody commitment, well, wouldn't you yearn to be with your lover? Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. All night long on my bed, I, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him lying on her bed. Not sure if she's, she's consciously craving or vividly dreaming. You know that state? Am I asleep or am I awake? I looked for the one my soul loves. Verse 2, I looked for the one my soul loves. Verse 3, have you seen the one my soul loves? Verse 4, when I found the one. My soul loves, aching, yearning, longing, into the night in her dreams, up and down the dangerous street in her dreams, pleading with the passing police officer in her dreams, fearing the dream will become a nightmare, that she will never find him. And then, verse 4, scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him. And would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room, the one of the one who conceived me. Clasping, holding, hugging, grasping, never to let him go again, never out of her sight again, taking him home. Just like Isaac took Rebecca to Sarah's tent and into, into her room, that, that was how you committed in love, marrying him, making love to him. That is what she longs for. That is her passion. That is her desire to be with him, to know him, to be his. Have you, have you ever known the heartache of separated love? Uh, when I first went out with my wife, in the days before mobile phones, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> if I went to her house and she wasn't there, if I sought her out at her college and she wasn't there, if I walked by the river where she rode and she wasn't there, it hurt. Not rationally, not logically, but painfully, with desire, with dreams. You yearn for the one you love. You want to be with them. To hold them. Yes, to have them. That's why she warns the young city girls in verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. That's why dating for a long time, I think, inevitably will lead to guilt or to pain, if you truly love someone. The pain of resisting your God-given growing sexual desire, or the guilt of failing to resist it before marriage. It's why the, the long engagement can leave couples frustrated or frigid. Frustrated as they try to keep their hands off one another with, with the passionate desire that God has given them for each other. Frigid as they become a little bit too good, too comfortable with quenching their passion. There is a right intensity to love. 
And we've got to be very careful that in our little Western Christian culture, we don't so frame and hamper that right intensity that, that we make love a less beautiful thing. So be ready. Don't, don't start dating until you're willing to marry. Don't let the reception venue set the length of your engagement. Let your longing heart. I'll do it any day. Marry you here. I'll have some chips in Jacob's well. <laughs> and do you know what? I guarantee you, this isn't in my script, you will never remember the menu or the fancies. You'll hardly remember the bride's dress. You will remember the friends and family who were there. You will remember the feeling of love you shared. Focus on one, not the other. But, but there is a more dangerous thing than quenching human love. It's quenching divine love. Not, not God's love for us. That can never be dampened or lessened or cooled. He is always passionate for his people. He is always for his people. But rather our love for the divine, our love for Christ, our lover. Jesus warns the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That first love which meant that you just couldn't help but tell others of Christ. Do you remember when you started dating her and all you could do was tell your mates about how great she was or how great he was? That first love that means you've got to learn of Jesus. That first love that cared not what other people thought of them, but passionately cared what other people thought of Christ. Do you want to love Christ more? Do you want to love Christ more? I long to love Christ more. I just love to stop praying the same things every week. To cry with the Apostle Paul, I want to be with Christ, which is better by far. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the participation of his sufferings. I want to be so bound to Christ my lover that I would rather suffer pain for him than be comfortable without him. I want to be so bound to Christ my lover that I would rather be rejected by all people than be rejected by him. I want to be so bound to Christ my lover that I would rather die for him than live without him. I want to yearn for Christ more. Do, do you? I really do want to yearn for Christ more. Do you? No, no, I really do. Now, this is not just preacher speak. I really do want to yearn for Christ more. Will you meditate on his love with me? Will you search him out in his word? Will you cry out to him in prayer tomorrow, today even? Will you ask so that it is given? Will you seek him so that you find him? Will you knock so that the door of his love will be open to you? Love pledged in eternity, revealed at his birth, demonstrated fully and finally at his cross, victorious at his resurrection, heard in the gospel, experienced by his spirit. And one day, one day, one precious day, 
known fully, intimately, face to face. Will you yearn for Christ's love with me? Well, we're going to come to the table now. We're going to share in tokens of love. We're going to eat bread, which the Bible tells us, shows us that Christ so loves us that in his own pure and perfect body, he bore our sin, our filth and rebellion, and the one who had only known perfect love from his Father experienced the righteous anger that we deserve for the way we've treated God and one another. His body broken for us. And we're going to drink juice. But in the Bible, it's wine. We're going to drink wine. That's to remind us that Jesus poured out his blood so that according to wonderful promises in the Old Testament, we are forgiven so fully that our sin is as far as the east is from the west. That, That it is as though God has forgotten all we've done. The Lord's not like us. What are we like with the ones we love? You did that last week. It's just just the same as before. The Lord forgives us as though he's forgotten all we've done. We're going to drink wine to remind us of that great love. But before we do, let's acknowledge to the Lord how we fail to love him and ask him to help us yearn for his love more. Got some words of a confession here. Let's uh, just have a look at these words and then we'll pray them together. We say together, Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Please forgive us that we have not loved you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Please forgive us that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you that you loved us by sending your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Overwhelm our selfishness with your love. By the power of your Spirit, give us a compassionate love for all people, that we may declare your gospel to our lost world. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.